0: Tune it up though, just like uh, you guys do with fuel tech, Luis. Uh, great to hear from you again. Super excited to go back through this process. Uh, every time we gather to talk a little fuel injection, it seems like everything has advanced in these quantum leaps, and so uh, I'm excited to hear what you guys have got for us today. I know your background a little bit, uh, I know that uh, you've done some racing yourself too, so you've been behind the wheel. Uh, And I'm excited to hear what you've got all planned out for us today, and I want to remind everybody that they can put questions in the chat section, if you have a question for Lewis and Fuel Tech about a product or a part, by all means, put it up in the chat section and we will attack it in addition to his presentation, and so Lewis, thank you very much, I'll be here to moderate,
1: take it away. Okay, thank you. Um, As I'm going to say it's, it's kind of hard to go over every single subject that, that revolves the electronics around a race vehicle. So not, not just drag racing, besides FuelTech being focused on drag racing. But like as today, as you said, uh, EFI changed the game on such a deeper level that even most of sanctioned bodies had to put a stop to some of the features, right? Because the electronics came so far, right? They came so far and they are able to do stuff that the human being cannot do inside the vehicle while you're racing. You only can do before the race. Setting up stuff to have the computer to do some kind of driving aid for for the racer, right? And um, uh, we here at FuelTech, we strive to do EFI, on a different approach. So we're trying to get EFI and not just EFI, but uh, whole vehicle control units, right? So we are transitioning towards uh, a new generation of electronics that we don't call pretty much anymore ECU, but more like a VCU. Um, Back in the day, as, as you guys remember, the transition between the carburetor to electronics, we were pretty much manipulating just timing electronically and would keep our fuel mechanically delivered because it's a a really affordable, easy to use, simple, straightforward, the mechanical injection. And it could be whatever power area we talk about. It could be naturally aspirated, it could be turbo, it could be a centrifugal charger, you know, roots blower, screw blower. doesn't matter what you have, you could keep mechanically EFI, uh, mechanically injected, right? But the timing, right, it is, Uh, the quickest way to manipulate power on an engine. And that's where the computers starts to show up. So you could be able to do some kind of timing manipulations. So a timing ramp, a timing curve, or some kind of traction control, right? Regarding manipulating your time. As today, uh, electronics on race cars, they do way more than that. And, And again, I'm trying to focus this whole deal on drag racing since drag racing is one of the hardest deals on electronics you have sometimes less than four seconds to show up what you can do so there's no time to think about it there's no time to react about it a clean lap on drag racing it's a lap that pretty much the driver didn't do anything that's a clean lap the car went out the track is straight as an arrow fast as it could be and without pretty much driver input besides the reaction time on the, on the tree, right? And, and that means that the electronics behind the car did their job. They, they did what they could. And at FuelTech, we're trying to do that on ways that the users can do easily or quickly, and more important, reliable. Every single time doing what you can do, uh, what you ask the computer to do, and repeat so the next lap you can analyze whatever happened between two laps and you can retrieve the data quickly and try to understand what did it happen how can i do better or if the track goes away if the weather goes away how can i not lose as much so i can win the next guy right
0: and so walk us through Uh, Some of the processes and hard parts, because I I believe that there are still many people that are making the transition right now. Uh, I think we've seen during the pandemic, a lot of people have bought new parts and they've got involved in something that they might have never done before because they had a little bit of time to learn about it. So walk us through that transition. And you just threw a lot of different things out there and it sparked my brain a little bit because there are different styles of drag racing, right? There Perfect. are Perfect. Going as quick and fast as you want to go. And then there's uh, a whole bunch of different subsets within drag racing. So take us through.
1: Well, um, I'm going to grab this, this little guy here. I, I'm, I'm personally proud of this unit because like, I, I believe this was a game changing on drag racing lately. Uh, this is our uh, top-of-the-line ECU called FT600. And as you can see, I have a cable running behind. This is actually just a regular USB cable. So this unit on the car, is, it's battery-powered, right? But like if you don't have on the car, your USB cable still can power the ECU, and you can reach the unit to do something. So this is not a dashboard. This is also a dashboard. So it's a touchscreen unit right? I can change stuff. I can go through whatever I want right here, but this is the whole brain of the vehicle. So this is the ECU. That's that's what we're calling about, almost like a VCU that will do fuel management, timing management, power management, transmission management, data logging, dashboard, and a lot of small stuff that sometimes we don't we call separate, but they in, in the end, they all power management. So for example, nitrous controller, it can control up to six stages of nitrous. But in the end, controlling nitrous is just managing power. It has boost controller, including top of the line and newer stuff like electronic waste gates. So he also manages straight here. Uh, but again, waste gate control is power management, correct? So um, this unit, it's your hands. Right, It's your hands. It's the tuner, crew chief, driver, whoever's in charge of the vehicle. This is your hands, but also your eyes, because it looks all the sensors, thinks about it and does something. The hands that you told the unit to do. Right. And and this, this is why this made a lot of changes. Not long ago, we should have three, four, five different boxes all trying to do something. Right, all trying to do something. You don't have several different cables. Maybe some kind of hardware piece that you change to change the behavior of the box. And now you don't. Now right. you can have one cable connect one laptop, and do pretty much whatever you want. You want to do a fuel change? That's it. You want to do a timing change? That's it. You want to do a transmission change? That's it. E- e- everything is building here, but like uh, this being the head of the brains. <laughs> I I, I like to do that uh, comparison between the body, right? You still need some legs, right? So this is also another product that we manufacture in-house and it's pretty different from other stuff that you can see out there. This is a CDI, so capacitive discharge ignition that came to pretty much replace any kind of different ignition style that's out there on the market. This does not require the distributor to run this is connected to your ECU. The ECU tells for this guy what to do, and this guy is the hammer. This thing makes what it has to be made at the spark plug, power-wise, spark-wise. And on this particular deal, how they uh, average compare between systems, it's energy, discharge energy in millijoules. This unit provide no less than 1500 millijoules. Just so you have an idea, some older style magnetos provide less than half of that and not just that because energy is just one of the ways to measure stuff the current that this box is capable of supplying to the coil goes to about 200 amps per coil not to the same coil because this allows you to run individual coils so instead of relying on the distributor that's a mechanical part prone to failure prone to be Uh, out of uh, proper alignment uh, to have a problem on the shaft, to have problem on the rotor, to have a a gap rotor to cap wrong, uh, extra wire from the uh, coil to the distributor. This goes away with everything. And more importantly on on power management, allows you to run any kind of uh, ignition advance. You can run negative 50, you can run plus 50. It does not matter because there's no phasing on the distributor since there's no distributor. And you can use timing on your favor to manipulate power way quicker than trying to manipulate turbo boost or engine RPM with your supercharger RPM or turning on and off nitrous. Because timing is the quickest way to manipulate power on an engine device. And, And just because I have all three, the arm, let me say, fuel injector, right? So we released not long ago our uh, line of injectors, so the FT injector, we have on three different sizes, but they actually are kind of windows of size. The way that we developed the injector, it can work and keep similar spray pattern from 30 psi fuel pressure all the way up to 130 fuel pressure. And that allows you to kind of tailor what kind of fuel flow you want on your vehicle. So we have a base standard, 90 PSI fuel pressure, and we have three different uh, models, 320, 520, and 720. But a small one can go all the way down to 200 pounds an hour only if you run at 30 pounds. And the largest one, the 720, if you run 130 pounds, it can almost go to 900 pounds an hour. So you have that window from 200 pounds an hour per injector all the way to 900. And that equals two injectors that can be compatible with gasoline, lower fuel flow to the same power all the way to alcohol with some nitromethane mixtures because it is compatible. So you can run nitromethane on those injectors.
0: And, and that brings me to uh, my, my question And I do want to open it up to folks out there. You can use the chat section if you have a question for Lewis. And, uh, you know, rattle off, I noticed you've worked with Jose Gonzalez, who won the ProMod Championship this year and many others. Uh, Tick off some of the people that you guys have worked with, just so that our viewers out there can understand the applications that these cars, are, uh, these systems are going into. And then what I'd like you to do is kind of break down because you're a high level company and you're dealing with high level racers who are racing for a living in many cases, but that's not all you want as clientele. This can be beneficial to folks out there who are hobbyists who just want to go fast for fun.
1: Yes. Yes. So like uh, uh, as we we're talking, this unit is the top of the line unit. This unit you're going to find on pro mods and pro seventy-five LDR, uh, radio versus the world, vehicles that are higher end, right? Uh, but we also have another two ECUs, the 550 and the 450, they are intended to be used on, don't, don't get me wrong, it's not lower end vehicles, but vehicles that do not require so much stuff going on at the same time. So for example, uh, we have customers running a FuelTech ECU on a single cylinder, a small motorcycle. So you don't need such a large unit with so many inputs and outputs to run a single cylinder that may be naturally aspirated. So there's no boost controller, no nitrous controller, just one cylinder, one coil. You don't need all of this, right? But the features that the base model has, the FT450, and the features that the 600 has is pretty much 900% the same. The 600 just can do more at the same time. So, uh, There is small stuff that this unit has more, but as overall, the difference between the units, it's how much can you do at the same time? How many inputs and outputs can you run at the same time? So if you have a single cylinder, a four cylinder, a V8, a V12, a twin turbo deal, naturally aspirated nitrous, what is the difference? So just like you spoke about Jose Gonzalez, great customer, Pro line customer, Proline runs most of the the, the the team. They have a really good thing going on where they manage the team. So Jose has El General Racing, correct. and um, Proline runs the show on the way they like they have their knowledge, their tuners and they they steer the team to the right direction. what they should uh, buy, how they should run, uh, sanction body, which one they can have a benefit here or there. Because in the end, everyone is fighting for the win. You need to find those small details. How can I make my chances greater to win the race? And, um, and that vehicle is a great, a great example. They run our full product line, 600 FT Spark, FT Injector. That car carries everything that we do. Uh, early in the year, they broke the record. They went five sixty-two at Gamesville, first race of the season, and uh, by the end of the year, they end up winning the championship in a Cherry Pro Mod uh, with a second car because he had a major hiccup. He crashed the car; that was terrible, sickening to see. But again, they are a highly professional team. They come back strong as ever with the newer vehicle, and uh, I'm personally proud to be involved because sometimes I do drive for Jose testing his car right, so uh, as you said, I started my own career racing not long ago, Brian Shaw from OTG, we run our car, it's a, a Jerry Bickle six, uh, 68 Camaro, it's a pro nitro stream right now, and we actually getting everything together to go to Brayton Snowbirds to race the car, and uh, as as everyone knows, that race is one of the largest, and more important pro mod races for some time now, you know, it's 50 cars fighting for 50 grand on anniversary race of uh, Brazerton Snowbirds. And um, so going back to different customers, we talk about ProMod, right? But uh, if we start moving around different classes, you're gonna see that we have several customers running, for example, uh, inside ProMod, different combinations. So we're gonna have different group of guys. Uh, Staying staying at ProMod in HRA, we have PJS, Group uh, located in Texas, yes. they run roots blowers on their legal combination, 100% EFI, not mechanical blowers, but electronic injected uh, roots blowers. And when they race on auto law races, they change to screw blowers and they keep the EFI. So that's one approach. Then we have a great group of people from up north of New York, uh, Salimi. So Morris Motorsports, GeForce, yeah. race cars. They run our stuff on the coil side, FT Spark, but they really like to do the mechanical injection. So the same ECU manipulating the lean outs for the mechanical fuel injection, not EFI, but the same unit running coils because then they have all that uh, precise maneuverability on timing that only coils allow you to. And we can keep going. And as today, the pro charger, the centrifugal blower, it's, it's dominant on several classes. We're gonna have, for example, Ryan Martin, just to one NPK, right? So as, as you guys know, history laws involve going to no prep, no prep kinks, right? And uh, he runs a pro charger vehicle with the same combination. So as you can see, the, the ECU, it's pretty universal. Uh, universal on a way, different vehicles and different power adders. Um, My my personal vehicle, it's uh, on Pro Nitro Stream, like I told you, runs the same ECU and the same FT Spark, just a different size of injector and run seven stages of nitrous. And um, the way that we run the car, we actually have one nitrous stage turning on during two step, during the trans break. And this is something that most people don't even heard about it because it's really hard to do timing manipulation we are able to hold the motor and the RPM that we want by tiny manipulation, not just doing straight cuts. So we don't have what most nitrous cars do when you try to do that, pop on the intake, blow off the intake in the air, stuff like that. So the car is under proper management from the very first moment that you go on trans brake, you have a kit on, and in about a second or so, you're already turning on another six kits. So that's where it's really important to talk about the precise management or what you're doing. Different from a a regular vehicle, like a street car, sometimes you talk about closed loop and other stuff. A a street vehicle, like with a way MCU, sometimes takes five minutes to adapt to something. A condition change, a fuel level change, a flex fuel sensor, um, barometric uh, pressure change. At drag racing, you don't have that. You cannot, you cannot afford to take too long. You need to have changes on the spot. The customer after a run looks to a 3.5 second run during 20 minutes, but it's 3.5 seconds. And it's going to adjust those 3.5 seconds to do something that's thousands of a second different from the next lap. And that's where the electronics shine to be able to do exactly what is being told on that small fraction of time.
0: How has working with these racers in this critical uh, environment that you're describing pushed the product forward? Do they come to you and ask you, have they come to you? And I'm sure they have. I just kind of want to know, like, in what direction have they pushed you? What you just described about being on uh, a kit of nitrous while also on the two-step, that's a bit mind-blowing, but I can see the advantages, right? Because it's already there. And then you, uh, you bring the timing in and it's ready to go as opposed to uh, any kind of lag or delay or et cetera. But what have the racers asked you for and what have you delivered? Uh, some of the things that you have involved now that are popular that was uh, driven by need of racers.
1: Well, I, I can tell you that we, we've been pretty blessed since we started dealing with US, US, USA customers. As you guys know, FuelTechs a Brazilian-based company. And as today, we are almost one years old but our operation here in the United States is not even 10 years old. But during that period of time, uh, and that came from Brazil, that approach came from Brazil. We always listen to the racer. And when I I say the racer, I'm talking about the car owner, the driver, the tuner, the crew chief, right? Whoever we're talking about. And those guys pretty much tailor the system to what it is today. Most of the stuff that we have there we were just like listening to them. Like we're gonna have like, I don't know, great tuners like Steve Petty and Brandon Pass and John Salimi, you know, Jeff Pierce. We're gonna have those big names. And I'm sorry if I didn't mention every one of us because there's so many good guys. It's it's hard to even keep track of them, right? But like those guys will come to us and like, "Uh, man, you know, like at this point of the run, I don't see a reason to allow the two-step to go in because I'm gonna run. But if my driver is driving and he hit by mistake, the two-step on the steering wheel, it's gonna hurt the band on my trans brake on the transmission. What can we do about it? And they're like, hmm, let me think on a solution. And once we we think about it, let me run through you and validate with you and let's do a beta version you can test for us. And if you feel like that's good, we, we spread to everyone, right? So pretty much, no less than 30 to 40% of the system was all made based on racers' input or requests. They may have like, man, my switch fails all the time. Like, I lost the race because it wouldn't start because the cranking button wouldn't work. Or my upshift didn't work because the uh, wire got loose during the lap and it didn't shift or something like that. And then we come up with a problem, right? So we have a switch panel that has a vibration proof waterproof assembly that never goes bad and communicates through can. it makes the wine easy, it never fails or the rate of fail is so close to zero that you can trust that better and it came from a request. Uh, injectors came from requests people were wanting different brands to be worked with you know different flow rates, different behaviors. Uh, FT spark came from requests people, uh, we're trying to go away. Uh, the LS platform brought the coil-on-plug pretty much as uh, the new standard. You know that back in the '90s. Why a race car should still run as a distributor, right? So as people start like, "Man, my street car has a coil-on-plug. Why can't my race car is still on the distributor from the '50s?" You know, like, okay, let's think about it. Let's see what we can do. Let's let's try to do a system that can replace, you know, the distributor. Um, most of the stuff comes from the racer and in uh, uh, up to today, we do the same. We always work on new products. As you guys know, PRI is around the corner, right? We will be a PRI and we will have some new products on display. And those products came from driver input, uh, crew chief input, you know, tuner input. Man, how can I make this easier, better, quicker? Can I trust this more than that, you know, like, this, this is something that we're really blessed with, having great customers that can provide the feedback and we can do something and then it's spread to everyone. Everyone can use it. There is no specific only for this guy or this secret stuff. We, we don't trust on that. We actually trust to have the better tool for everyone be able to use and it's there. It's up for you to grab it or not, right? But it's there because in the end, on racing, any kind of racing, and you still have the driver makes a difference. The tuner makes a difference. The engine builder makes a difference. The chassis builder makes a difference. The EFI being the best system that you can just make you able to use those at the fullest. You're gonna use the chassis to the best, the motor to the best. But it's still, it's not giving that function to everyone that's gonna make you win. But everyone's will be able to have a better. Uh, a better competition uh, one thing that just happened i'm really proud to say about it we have a long time customer but he was dealing mostly with their customer base but he used he wasn't using the system on his personal car taught other that uh, he has the tie drive unit i use the yes. tie drive on my car and um and he swapped to the 600 ft spark and he went to orlando and won wall street nationals first time out of the system on the car and again, this did not make him win it, but this was a better tool for him as a tuner, driver, uh, crew chief, to be able to get the car and go through the, all, all, the, all the rounds and go all the way to the final win the race.
0: Very interesting. All right, we got a question out there from Todd. And if you're out there in the chat section, you have a question for Lewis, by all means, post it. Uh, I know I have a couple myself. Uh, this is the basics, right? We've been talking about Jose Gonzalez and Proline and all kinds of Todd Tuttaro. Uh, These are these are very intelligent, high-level racers that are really investing a lot and gaining, you know, hundreds and thousands of a second. But what about someone like Todd? Simple, like, can I convert a carbureted engine to EFI with one of your ECUs, right? The other side of, this, of the spectrum here, someone who wants to emulate those guys maybe doesn't have quite as much time, a team, a crew chief, but they want all those benefits too. They wanna be able to open up their laptop and get their thing running right, uh, as opposed to the carbureted way.
1: Yes, yes, 100%. So like uh, uh, every feature that we spoke about uh, some minutes ago, it's building on the system. That does not mean that you need to use it. So you can select what you want to use. Uh, There's customers, like we do not uh, manage diesel engines as today. But this unit can be your perfect dashboard data logging boost controller for a diesel engine, right? So you're not doing timing, there's no timing and you're not doing fuel because it's still mechanical, but this will be used for dashboard data logging, maybe boost controller, maybe nice for controller. The carburetor the car is much different. Uh, we have several customers on the sportsman side of stuff on bracket racing. They, they have been adding the 450 and the 550 units to their carburetor cars, the carburetor vehicles, and sometimes they keep the distributor. They only using as a delay box, because guess what? It has a delay box building on the unit. So they have this as a dashboard delay box, and that's it, nothing else. So if you have a carburetor vehicle, you can add one of our ECUs to be your dashboard, to be your data logging device, and to manipulate timing. That's Crazy easy to be done, not much wiring to it, and you still keep your carburetor there. And then you start getting used to the system, you run some logs, you try to understand how the car does, you manipulate the power through timing a little. Um, If you have a boosted car, you can manipulate the timing better for during the boost. If you have nitrous, you can start manipulating nitrous. But at some point, man, I want the benefit of EFI because EFI has several benefits and one of the greatest benefit, it's called fuel closed loop, where the unit reads an uh, oxygen sensor, 0 O2 sensor, and based on the target that you told the ECU to run, the ECU will do adjustments on the fly, adding or removing fuel based on whatever is going on. Air is better. I change my camshaft profile. Uh, I have a better hood scoop that drawing more air. I went to a different part of the country that has better air, whatever, or worse air. I went to Colorado, Now there's no air now. You don't need to be adjusting jets on the carb all the time because the EFI first, if you manually want to do it, it's just some typing away on the keyboard. But if you already preset the ECU, to do, the ECU to do that for yourself, the ECU can easily remove or add fuel, something that the carburetor cannot do. It simply cannot do it. You need to stop, think about what you're going to do, take it apart, some of it, change some jetting, change this and that, put it back together and test to see if it goes. With this, you can do real time, like if you're on the dyno, right? You can do real time changes, but mostly the unit can do real time for you. If you tell the ECU, like you have some freedom, you can take 10 or add 10, it's up to you. If you feel like it's a little bit lean, a little bit rich, add some tan, take some ten. the ECU can do it. And that's a great, great benefit when you're changing from a carburetor to a EFI. Interesting,
0: the idea of running a carburetor with the ECU, uh, I was wondering about that, right? Like you get some of the benefits. Let me ask you something, and this maybe is not uh, specific to the masses out there, but there are a lot of people that run .90 racing in the NHRA, Super Comp, Super Gas, there's hundreds of them. They're all over the country. They're very reliable racers. They race every weekend, almost exclusively carbureted because of the throttle stop mechanism. Yes. I huh? think to hear that some people are starting to kind of venture into the fuel injection in that area. So I would imagine it's an area that's ripe for potential customers for you. So what, what about those guys that are deliberately slowing their cars down in the name of competition? How are you helpful to them?
1: Well, I, I can tell you something that's even cooler, right? Because like when we came up with this, we actually didn't thought exactly on the throttle stop, but in the end, it's a perfect throttle stop. So the, the throttle stop is a mechanism that literally stopped the throttle, right? Kind of, kind of fairly simple to understand. Uh, but modern vehicles that have electronic throttle bodies, right, no cable, just some wires. So the ECU has a function that's really cool. It's a time-based throttle position you can literally set up a throttle stop device with electronic throttle body, no CO2 anymore, no cables, no nothing. You select a number on your trans brake and you select a ramp or openings like a step, like the throttle stop does. And you can have a throttle stop based drag racing mode on the ECU without using CO2, without using a carburetor or using it, because it's still, the unit has timers that you can apply to your throttle, so you can do timers on your uh, mechanism for the throttle stop to run. So, and it was good for you to talk about it because, like, uh, on another note, something that we try to do, we try to work really close with sanction bodies, and we have different firmwares for the ECUs to allow you to run on different classes. So, if you have a class that the delay box, it's not allowed to be ran. There is a firmware that changes the splash screen when you turn it on. So it's really easy for the uh, section body and the tech guys to tag the vehicle that will tell this is the version for this class. Traction control is disabled or traction control is on but delay box is disabled or no delay box, no traction control, no this. So there's different firmwares that block features they are not allowed to be used on that specific class or sanctioned body. And in sportsmen, ain't much different. So you have no box, box with traction control, no traction control, depends where you're racing, what you want to race? There's specific firmware. you download on the website and you do one yourself at the track fairly quickly. So, and for people they are kind of guessing, yeah, but then you can do that. You can kind of change all the time yes you can but most important the data logger carry choose the version that you are using so if someone tries to attack you after the run the data logger will tell which version you're using if that version was legal or not so uh pro this year uh they had a rev limiter for the centrifugal superchargers vehicles right we had two ProMod versions one that was no traction control is some other stuff that are not allowed in ProMod and a secondary version that had a rev limiter. And every lap they would do, the log will tell which version it is. So the so the tag guy from HRA could go there. Oh, this guy qualified number one. Let me double-check what they've done on this race. He would be able to go there, talk to the tuner crew chief. Let me look at this data login real quick. And he could see yeah you guys run the right the right firmware everything is okay i can see there's it was not running above the number i told you guys to run that's cool everything good so we're trying to make the life easy on the section body as well so it's not like a black box that's hard to achieve and hard to prove that was running the legal stuff we try to make it easier for everyone we even have a specific log download that takes it out all the power management so nobody's going to know what you're doing because that's proprietary. But everything regarding the rule package, so how high you run, stuff like that, it's on the log. So they can retrieve that and prove, yes, I was legal. I wasn't doing anything that is, was not legal for that class.
0: Interesting, interesting. So let's talk about, uh, because I think that this is an area of our uh, of our sport that's still ripe for a lot of growth. So purchase and customer service for people who are, maybe a shop, uh, they've got their clientele of racers. Like what is your preferred method of purchase? Like go through one of the big uh, parts warehouses to purchase directly from you guys. And let's assume that has happened. What do you guys do to work with the install folks or the people who are kind of um, going down this journey of tuning to work with them and, and help them out along the way?
1: Well, I can tell you this, uh, tech was built based on tech support. Anderson Dick is the company founder. Uh, he actually did tech support for myself back in the day when I was a customer. And, and, wow. and I'm a living proof that the whole foundation of FuelTech was tech support and it still is today. So uh, we have a great dealer network and that dealer network is not like a, any kind of dealer network. To be a dealer, you need to be on your game, you need to be a car guy, you need to be someone that understands the stuff. Uh, We are here to support you by any and every kind of way that we can do. But at the same time, the whole goal of having a dealer is to have someone with proper knowledge that's able to support a group of people, either because it is a specific niche of uh, racing or an area—the guys up north, the guys down south—you know, whatever. It's Middle East doesn't matter. That's the idea of Having dealer, the idea is not to have thirty-five dealers in the same city. That's that's not the goal. Um, and um, we, as FuelTech, the tech support—it is the largest group inside the company. It's tech support. So that group is here to help out anyone. And when I say anyone, it can be someone inside the company. There is another guy that's installing field on his car on the spare time, or is a dealer that needs to understand how a new product works, or is a customer that wants to install or after installing doesn't know how to make it run. So we try to be at major races. Uh, every single race that's out there that has any kind of substantial amount of people there and we have the personnel to go, we try to do it. We try to be there. Uh, Myself, Anderson, and all the whole group, we have great guys here in the United States. Cameron, Jacob, Greg, uh, Garrett. You know, we have so many guys. They're really knowledgeable. They either own a race vehicle or they're part of a team or they used to. So they have their feet wet on that stuff, and they go to the track to make sure that everyone can do the best with the best of the tool. Right? So when, when someone asks, like, ah, should I buy straight from you? Should I buy from this dealer? Honestly, buy from the dealer. That guy's closest to you. That guy's going to support you. But don't forget, ain't no problem. If by any means you cannot reach the guy, we're here for you. Like It's not like you go that way and, oh, don't talk to me anymore because you didn't buy from me. Like, the goal is not that the goal is like having the system and making it work. The guy's going to be happy with doesn't matter if the dealer helped or we helped. Cause in the end he has the good field tech running on there. Very interesting. Where do
0: you think, uh, Lewis, where do you think this is going? We've seen such an evolution over, you know, how long has it been 15 years or so um, from like new baby walking to what's happening now, which is pretty impressive, but that's a pretty compressed amount of time. What do you what do you see ahead, and how how advanced can this technology become?
1: I see some new challenges, right? Uh, pretty much, uh, uh, pretty much regarding electronic, right? So electric vehicles. Um, we have a whole division called FTE, right? And uh, that whole division it's uh, specialized on developing and researching and building the system towards electronic electric vehicles uh, and everything that goes around so inverters batteries um, at PRI we're gonna have some cool stuff about it but like uh, the challenge about the EV is like it's a it's a different monster right so it's a I, and I'm gonna tell you the challenge is not with us mostly because to manage a motorist type of engine that's not the problem the problem is how, can you make them race side by side if there is a way to do it so it's going to be the challenge more within the racers and the sanction bodies and how they're going to be able to run and keep drag racing alive with the introduction of electronic and electric cars uh, to have them somewhat a fair race fair comparison between them and something that's fun because the electric motor it's actually a, a badass piece. It can pack a lot of power. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Like, it just crank a car on the dyno. So I'm, I'm gonna just like spy shot here. Yeah. So we're about to do a nice run right here. We have a roots blower on the dyno right here. And uh, we're gonna do a run. I think they're having trouble to crank we it. We love it. Pretty cold, pretty cold this, over here. This is um, great though. I love that. And love actually, let's let's, let's let's talk a little bit about that before they crank it up, or or in the middle of that. <laughs> right.
0: We're good. I love it. And so I don't know if Lewis's audio is. Uh, He might be frozen. Lewis, can you hear me?
1: (laughs) Did you guys hear that?
0: (laughs) Yes, we heard every bit of it. It was overpowering, but we loved it.
1: Man, like, this is a cool deal. We have an in-house racetrack. This is something. And, like, we didn't talk about that, but it's good since we just heard it, right? This is one of the extensions that we're talking about tech support, right? Uh, We have what we call factory-advanced training where people can come with their program, the whole team, the vehicle. And to the dyno, we take it out the tire, the track and the suspension away. And we focus on the vehicle as a vehicle on its own and the controlling side of it. Fuel, engine, transmission, power management. And we put that on a hub dyno, mainline hub dyno. And uh, we are able to make sure that all the systems are working And the customer and the whole team understand how to manipulate things to add fuel, add timing, take timing. Uh, uh, We can even run traction control on the dyno. We can set up the dyno to run a specific number. And we can do traction control on the dyno to make sure that the car is doing what it's supposed to do. And it's not trying to overdo or underdo. And um, we usually take a whole full day. And the guys from here to the track, they usually have a blast because we are able to go over any kind of small hiccups they may have on a new build or something or they're able to bring a car that's already running and make sure that everything is okay and where they can improve and they can see that small difference and then when they went to the track they can see the difference on the clock right so um this is actually a really really cool cool piece
0: wow very nice very nice and uh, just uh, overwhelmed by the information we just got, but the sound of a supercharged engine being warmed up in the background is probably the best thing I have to tell you. <laughs> right, like uh, that, thats what it's all about. And if it's cold up there, you can you can hear a little extra horsepower. So uh, VCM—it's—it's uh, it it's, can be your dashboard if you want it to be, um, and you can control virtually every aspect of what you would need to be able to control um depending on how high up the chain in professional racing you are or maybe you just want to go fast with your car at home you guys have got a product that can fit that need
1: yeah pretty much pretty much pretty much like uh um uh this past weekend there was a large uh four hour race back in brazil endurance race road racing and uh we won the prototype class with uh, ft 600 so same unit that power pro mods can power a prototype road racing vehicle, right? And uh, uh, yeah, so in the end, the, the, the units, right, not just the 600, but the 550 and the 450, they're really um, packed units. They have enough and more than enough features to run high horsepower engine. Because like we talk about high horsepower, when I say high horsepower, not necessarily 3,000 horses, 4,000 horses. If you make a Honda Civic make 500 horse, that's high horse. That's yes. a high horse Civic, you know? So like, and, and that's what we're talking about. This is what the system was built and tailored for to be able to manipulate the power. Because besides we having a dining house, dino numbers, it's not what makes you go fast. It's how you apply those numbers. It's how quick can you apply and how long can you apply? The number itself is just a number. It's just a reference. So you can understand if you went up or down. So we even, we even say some people, some people are kind of sketch, uh, uh, skeptical about the number that he made or something. And honestly, it doesn't matter. Like we do like the number, but it's not what it makes you win. It's how you apply the number. But again, you have the system. You have the system that can do that, that can manipulate the power in and out quick enough that you can make the car go down the track.
0: All right, so Francisque is, uh, has a question as well. He wants to know if you can show us on your computer again, all the cool data you can see from the EC- ECU like you did on the last webinar. Can you? Uh, okay, can you, let
1: me, let me uh, pick Lewis. up something here really quick and I go. can show to you guys something. Uh, I have some really cool logs from some of the stuff that we run. And then we can see some stuff. So uh, when we run a car on the dyno, those vehicles, they are run on the same way they should be run at the track. Uh, sometimes depends on the car. You're still gonna need to figure out some stuff. Sometimes you're gonna need to uh, adjust to match at the track since the load is not exactly the same but the cool thing is like you can see that they they work pretty closely so let me try to share my screen with you guys and then we can talk about this i have it here uh share screen and let me know if you're seeing it i see it Okay, so this is the data logger side of the system. Um, As many people can see, the background is black. I'm gonna show how to change it to white because the other day a lot of people asked me. So it's pretty simple. So it depends on how you wanna do it, right? So white and black, I'm gonna keep it in black. I think the contrast is a little bit better. This is actually a run of uh, my car back in the day when we were doing a radio versus the world. Um, If you see, this vehicle does not look much like a nitrous car. The motor goes uphill and you barely can see the kids coming in, but look how, how interesting. The car here, does a dive on the motor right on the middle, right? And you can look at the timing. So the timing went down to negative 10 because it was pulling a wheelie. Since it's a radio car, there was no uh, ride height on the car and you can see that the front end of the vehicle was going uphill, steady going uphill. The unit sensed it and took power away to bring the nose back down so the driver don't have to feather the throttle or something. So number one, it takes the chance of flipping the car backwards and crashing the car pretty low, right? Number two, the driver never gonna be as quick as electronic. So instead of the driver trying to pedal the car, the driver on this case was me, could stay hundred percent TPS throughout the run, but the ECU manipulate the power so the front end could go back down and make the lap. So on this particular uh, run, the car went 0.920 to the 60 foot 245 to the 330 and 368 at 198 to the eight mile. Um, also, it has individual O2s, as you can see. So every single cylinder has a different O2 reading. Um, it has a built-in g-meter where you can see the g-meter of the car. You can see where shattered the, the tire a little. And then it's slowed down during the wheelie because it stopped the tire to come back and then it went back at it. It's a five speed transmission and the transmission is manipulated by the ECU. So all channels are recorded. Everything that's in and off is recorded. So like this is the nitrous kits kicking in. You can see where boom, 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 boom. They go in and timing. Showing me the timing per cylinder, what was my timing on every single cylinder during the run? So you can see some because it was manipulating power, some of 11, one, one, 160, 0.60, they were run, running the same and all the backs the same way. There was different uh ignition advance to try to make it since some cylinders make more power, more cylinder pressure, they need less timing. So you see some hose four some holes four and a half, some holes three and a half, right? Um, going back to the transmission, the series shows when it does the shifting. So there's no guessing anymore. Did my electronic try to shift? You can see the output going on and off, trying to shift. That thing will tell exactly what is going on. And some of the outputs even measure current. And you can make sure that when you trigger the output, the ECU sees the current draw, just like a power distribution module. Sometimes we talk about a PDM, but some of the stuff on the car, you actually wouldn't need a specific PDM because the ECU itself can provide enough juice for that. So the transmission solenoids are connected straight to the ECU and the ECU can check, as you can see right here, once I shift it, you see the current change. Once I shift it, the current change. So I can see that, yeah, my solenoid is connected to my transmission. It's doing what the ECU is telling to. And this help you tremendously on trying to diagnose a problem if it may happen. If the problem happens, it will tell you. Something happened right here. You see there's no current on the solenoid for uh, number three gear shift. Um, Another really cool feature in the system, if you have a data log, the tune is attached to the log. So you can block if you want, but it's a native feature they use. So, okay, I made this run, 368 on radios. This is my drive shaft plot. I can straight see it was a little bit lazy here, a little bit fast there. That's why you wheel it. So it was too fast here, a little bit slow here. That's fine. Uh let me see what I had on the tune up. So you can click on this button. And I think I uh, don't have you guys. Let me show. Let me show. So I'm gonna uh uh new share and I'm gonna share my FT manager now. So let me know if you can see that. Different screen? Yes, yes. Okay, so on this different screen, this is my field base map that I had for that vehicle on their run. So I can see these are my fuel flow numbers right now, but I can easily swap between pulse width milliseconds, volumetric efficiency uh, calculated, duty cycle of the injector or fuel flow. They all correlate so I can easily swap. Oh, this is my milliseconds. And I can observe my milliseconds are closer to my torque curve where my motor makes the most torque. I have the major amount of fuel per revolution if I change to fuel flow this is more like my power curve so total fuel flow not millisecond pulse width but total fuel flow correlates to my total power on the left it's what we call quick access panel everything is organized in the system on sections so if my tune is right and I want to work on uh, my power management, I want to go quicker or slower, you can go to your drag race features and then you can select inside what you want. So for example, it's a nitrous vehicle. Let's go to the pro nitrous feature, timers and delays. And I can see when I turn them on, when they turn them off, delay for the field, delay for the timing and a graphical representation where they kicking in how long my run and where they're kicking off. Uh, Wheelie control, we saw they hit it, right? So this is my timing table. Height and time inside the run and how much timing I take it off to keep the nose down. Uh, Traction control, we call time-based compensations. This is my engine plot. Uh, This is my time-based fuel. I'm adding fuel down the track to keep the motor happy. This is my time-based timing. You're still doing some time-based timing to manipulate the power. And this is my drive shaft plot to keep the chassis with the chassis in check going down the track. And I can easily pull up that run and compare their run with what I have on my power manipulating uh, setup. So I'm just picking up and now it shows up. As you guys can see, this is a I changed the color really quick to make it easier green. This is my engine plot and you can see on the red line, this is what the ECU would not allow the car to do. It would go up to the line and stop. And if you look to my drive shaft plot is the same way. It was trying to go towards the plot (coughs) and it hit it. The unit will take timing away. And that's what you're saying on these numbers, the timing going up and down like crazy It, it is on thousands of a second, taking power away and turning back on per cylinder, going down the track on a way that no human being could do unless you privileged done when you were standing still inside your trailer, trying to think what we're gonna do down the track. So you're gonna plot what you want and the ECU on real time will manipulate for you to make the car run the number that you asked for. Amazing. Luis,
0: fantastic. I appreciate this presentation. Love seeing the graphs and the visuals as well. I also see Francisca's join us. Uh, real quick, give the website, let them know where they can contact you guys if uh, they want to follow up and get some further information.
1: Well, fieldtech.net is pretty easy, right? Wear the shirt right here. So fieldtech.net. Um... We're still running our special the black november throughout november so it's almost there so most of the stuff's already gone so like i'm sorry guys i kind of got late on on trying to let you guys know uh but like it's end of the year uh i hope to see some of you guys are watching down bradyton it's going to be a great race it's going to be one of the best races of the of the year and uh at pri i hope to see you guys as well right yes. at pri stop by the booth let's chat a little let's Let's talk about some of the new product secret stuff, I can't say yet, <laughs> but we, we, we can you. talk up your right. Th-
0: th- thank you, Luis. You were terrific, as always. Uh, you know, what a, uh, what a little genius uh, you are, you know, and it's fascinating, too.
2: The concept for e-part trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for e-part trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to
0: interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in which is free, and the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request more information. If it's a company, you click on the request more information and then from there, it is forwarded
1: directly to the buyer or to the supplier.
2: You can go to ePartTrade.com. you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier We're not looking for a million hits per day, all we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of e trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world, so you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world.
0: EPARTRADE trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product
1: and technology.
0: There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.